Welcome to Uptown. We appreciate you making us a part of your day. We're here to empower, encourage, and uplift you on your journeys. We invite you to join us. We have Wednesday night Bible study at 6.30 p.m., Sunday service at 11 a.m., and you can watch us online. Glad you're here. Let's begin today's message. from Uptown Assembly of God Church here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, 1470 Lake Drive. We, I want to welcome you today. You know, we I, I have a word to, from God today that I want to share with you. But before we get into the word of God, I, I, I want to also kind of introduce our church to you. Uh, we have uh, Swahili service. We have Spanish service also. But right now, we, we're trying to get everything incorporated together. But on Sunday service, we also have interpretation. We have we can interpretate Spanish and we can interpretate Swahili also. Um, but 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 the main key is is that we're building this foundation from the ground up. We're building Uptown Church to be in the image of God in everything that we do, and 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 that is the blessing right there that we can walk together in unity. That we can walk together as one in Christ Jesus. And as I continue to, to, to uh, uh, go forward uh, as senior pastor here at Uptown Assembly of God, one of the, one of the major things that I really want to do is, is really bring people together. I, wanna, I, wanna, I, want, I want my teaching to be about something that, that has substance, some, something that will make you think. I want to also uh, tell you about our Wednesday night Bible study. Our Wednesday night Bible study is from 6.30 to 7.30 every Wednesday night. And once you come and join us, we, we have a good time. We have good dialogue, good discussion. We go through the scriptures. And we also have our Sunday school from 10, uh, 10 o'clock every Sunday morning to about 10.45. And then at 10.45, we come into the sanctuary. And that's what I call it, our prayer time. We come in and we pray and we usher in the Holy Spirit. And, and the major key with that is, is that we're praying together. Sometimes we get disconnected because we're, everybody is doing their own thing. But when we're able to come and just pray together, God is also in the midst. Now, without further ado, I, I, just, I do want to uh, give you a, a word this morning or, or today. And, and, and the word is, is basically about responsibility. We do have a responsibility as, as Christians in, in the body of Christ. The, the responsibility is, sometimes we, we, we look at it and we get it wrong, but my responsibility is to make sure that others get the gospel of Jesus Christ, that others understand what the gospel of Jesus Christ really is. Sometimes we get, we get deluded in, 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 in our everyday work life and we get deluded in our family life and, and we forget what the whole purpose is. Why did I get saved in the first place? You know, I got saved because I was going through many issues. I got saved because I just couldn't do it my way anymore. I got saved because I was looking for something better because the, the, the road I was going down was not the path that anyone should have been on. But when I found Christ Jesus, well, I, I should say because he was there all the time. But somebody, somebody had to witness the gospel of Jesus Christ to me. 
And, and that's the key. Somebody had to witness to me. So somebody had a responsibility that, 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 that was in their lives that they didn't know that they were going to meet Greg on that dark day in his life. And they came and they said, can I talk to you about Jesus? And I was probably like most of everybody. I didn't want to hear anything about Jesus because in the, in the dark place that I was in my own, in my own space, the last thing I wanted to hear was Jesus because I didn't understand who Jesus Christ was. But when this individual sat down with me in a loving and graceful manner, and he started to explain to me who Jesus Christ was, then I understood that there was somebody that loved me even in the dark place that I was. And I want to share with you uh, today what is the responsibility and how do we go about exercising that responsibility in our everyday lives. And I want to start with Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 through 10. So just kind of uh, uh, get your Bibles out. Go to Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 to, through 10. And, and, and we're going to read the word of God together. The Bible says, therefore the, prisoner of, uh, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. Verse 2, with all loneliness and gentleness, with long suffering and bearing with one another in love, in, in, in enduring and keeping, and keeping the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called uh, in one hope of, of your calling. Listen to how Paul is writing this. He is saying it is your calling. In other words, it is your responsibility. Verse 5, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, one God and the Father of all, and who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us, grace has given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when you ascend on high, he, he led captive, the captive and gave gifts to men. Now listen to what Paul is saying also, is that, is that God has given us gifts. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he, he, he led captive to captivity and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended. What does, what, does, what, what, what does it mean he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? Verse 10. And who, des, and who has descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might feel all things. This was a lot to take in. And I want you, and I want us to really get understand. This was a lot to take in, but let us dig into the Word of God and let the Word of God speak for itself, because the Word of God will teach us and it will preach to us. See, and that's one thing that I, I really tell my church in in the context that I want everyone in our church to study and show themselves approved. I don't want them to to, to take what I say for granted. I want them to go back, sit over a cup of coffee or whatever they're doing in the morning or in the evening after a hard day of work, and they get into the scripture. Because once you get into the scripture, God will teach you, and you're building your relationship with him. But he goes on, and he, and he, and, 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 and he says, and, and this is the song 
that I must enjoy and I and I listen to. And and Paul, Paul is is, is Paul has his focus on the Christian responsibility. He urges Christians to do what they need to do, but more, more, more than anything, to be like Christ Jesus. He challenges them to live their daily lives in keeping those spiritual realities. It is God's desire that Christ be expressed. See, that is the, the most important thing in my Christian walk, is that it is God's desire that his love is expressed in the things that I do. Let's, let's keep it like this. Jesus is to be expressed in and out of church. Jesus is not to be expressed only in church when we're sitting here and our praise and worship leader is leading us in praise and worship and, and, we're, and we're singing and we're praising God. But sometimes when you're standing in Walmart, you need to have church. I'm giving you a, a, a understanding of this, is that the church is where you are. See, you can be standing in Walmart, standing in line, getting ready to cash out, and the person in front of you or the person in back of you is having a hard day. But you're sensitive, but you're sensitive enough in the Holy Spirit that you're able to turn around and just start a small conversation. That conversation can lead to salvation. But it's our responsibility sometimes is just to say hello. Now that's not hard. If I was sitting at a football game and the guy sitting next to me and the guy sitting on this side, I've never met them, never seen them before in my life, probably won't see them after the football game is over. But I guarantee you during the course of that game, we've, we've had many conversations. Paul starts out with a powerful Greek word, beseech you. Translated, I urge you. And then followed by a word that demonstrates life or walk. It literally means to go about and conduct one's life, or in other words, to live it. Paul says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you received. Paul reminds the Ephesians that he was in prison for Jesus' sake, a prisoner for the Lord. He was arrested on Jewish charges, but did not consider himself a prisoner of the Jews. Although under Roman authority had imprisoned him, he did not consider himself a Roman prisoner. He was where he was because Christ Jesus, and he was to serve the needs of others at the Lord's commands. So what, I'm, what the Bible is teaching us is right here. It doesn't make a difference what our circumstances may be in our lives. Sometimes we may be in one of the most hard or drastic circumstances that we could ever be in. But what the Bible is teaching us right now is that Paul was in prison. Paul was chained to a guard 24-7. They were actually taking ships. But Paul is saying that he is in this particular place, in this particular time, in order to administer the Gospels to those who are chained to him. That is something for us to think about at times, is that we have to understand that church is right where I'm at. Church 
is my responsibility because the gospel of Jesus Christ resides with inside me. Paul is telling the church, please don't look at my circumstances, but believe God that he is doing a mighty work in me. See, that's another thing that we really have to understand being in Christ Jesus is this, is that so many people want to look at our circumstances that, that I, I may be catching the bus and I'm not riding in a, in a Land Rover. But the thing about it is, is that when I'm catching the bus, can I be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ? See, circumstances does not preclude me from what Jesus Christ is doing in my life. I may be in a dire situation in my life, but the gospel, what Paul is saying more than anything, is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not chained up. Just the opposite. He is doing the work. He is using his circumstances to urge and uplift and encourage Christians to live a life that's worthy of their high, uh, that is worthy of their high calling. Your high calling is from the Holy Spirit. That being called the church is, is something because Jesus Christ said it like this. He told Peter, upon you I shall build my church. See, and if we look at it in that circumstance, that, that he told Peter, upon you that I'm going to build my church. And if we know anything about the gospel of Jesus Christ, we know this much, is that Peter had a hard time sometimes just believing that Jesus was Lord. But after Peter had, a, had this experience with Christ Jesus, then he was allowed to understand that no matter what his circumstances may have been, no matter what he was going through, that God still loved him no matter what, and that God was still going to use him to build the church. The Bible said, let God be true and every man alive. So in other words, if, God, if, if Jesus told Peter, I'm going to build my church upon you, and then Peter did something wrong, and God said, well, I'm not going to build my church now because you did something wrong, then God would be lying to himself. But God already knew that Peter was going to do something wrong. God already knew that Peter was going to deny him three times. God already knew this, but he still said that I'm going to build my church upon you. Amen. To proclaim the gospel, how, how are we uh, to accomplish this? Well, I'm glad everybody asked that question. I'm glad you asked how are we supposed to accomplish this. We must be unified. That's how we accomplish the gospel of Jesus Christ. With unification, we have to be on one accord. That's what we have to do. Verse 3 makes this point. Make every effort to keep unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. In other words, what Paul is saying is that we must make every effort to keep unity by the bond of peace in the spirit. To, to
To achieve these goals, we must place these things in our hearts, in our minds, and in our souls. Now, these are character qualities that will bring forth unity. I'm a, in, in, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, the Bible says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. These are the qualities that are needed in the church. These are the qualities that, 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 that will help build the church in such a way that I'm not walking on your toes and you're not walking on someone else's toes because everybody is walking in their own gifts. He wants them to recognize what they share is common. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the Father. The Word of God wants us to focus on these things, not the things that divide us. See, that is so important about being in the gospel of Jesus Christ, is that the first thing that the devil wants to do, Slewfoot, Satan, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him, the first thing that he wants to do is bring division. But if if I'm standing strong, and if I know my gospel, I'm standing on one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the Father. The word of God is true. Our focus must be on these things. Our model of, of example should be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If I'm reading my word right, I've never seen them argue. I've never seen them have a disagreement. Because everybody was doing what they were functioning and supposed to be doing. Paul draws on the unity found in the Trinity, which is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yet its members are distracted so Christians can be individually different yet unified. See, that's, that's the key, is that I don't have to be like you, and you don't have to be like me. But what we have to do, it has to be on one accord, and in one mind, and understanding that being in Christ Jesus is my lead. I follow my example from Christ Jesus. I don't follow my example from Ray Ray. Ray Ray is not my example. My example is Christ Jesus. The role of the Holy Spirit is to create and sustain unity. This type of unity cannot be preceded by an individual. Its power is because the Holy Spirit is at work in us. That's the only reason I'm able to sit here today and, and, and give you this word is only because of the power of the Holy Spirit. It is because I sat down and I built my relationship with Christ Jesus. Now it becomes our responsibility to keep it, to appreciate and to nurture the unity the Holy Spirit creates. No church is adequate, is, 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 is adequate 
but only through the body of Christ. Representing Jesus Christ in this world without unity will bring us down like crumbles. It will bring us all down. We must have unity. How wonderful and powerful is a unified congregation with, within the community. See, being in Christ Jesus means that, 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 that we are a community. Just because you go to the church down the street doesn't mean that I'm not supposed to fellowship with you. I don't know where people got that from. Being in Christ Jesus means that we're all supposed to be on one accord. What the world has done, it has divided us. It has divided us with, with, with political lines. One's a Republican, one's a Democrat. But let me tell you this, and I want you to listen to me real good when I say this. Is that it's not about the donkey, and it's not about the elephant. It's about the blood of the lamb. It is the blood of the lamb that died on the cross. I didn't see an elephant die on the cross, nor did I see a donkey die on the cross. I saw the blood of the lamb die on the cross. We must function as one body in Christ Jesus, fulfilling his ministry and accomplishing the work. Paul is emphasizing the importance of unity in the church. He makes an important acknowledgement that the difference that, that, that exists within, and he addresses it like this. But to each one, Paul points out that each person is different. That each believer is gifted by God. We have to remember that, that each believer is gifted by God. Just because I'm not gifted in the manner that you think I need to be gifted doesn't mean that I'm not gifted. And, and vice versa. We have to get this kind of thinking away from the church because Satan will use that in order to divide us. Jesus, in his wisdom, is the giver of those gifts through the Holy Spirit. Amen? 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 reads like this. As each one has received a gift, minister, minister to one another as good stewards of, of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak in the ordinance of God. If anyone ministers, let him do, do it with, with the ability which God supplies. But that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Jesus is the one who gives his grace to every believer. Let's remember that. It's Jesus is the one who gives his grace to every believer. And this, and this gives us the strength and courage to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in its entirety with power, with strength, with grace, with mercy, and with the sprinkle of love. In, in, the God, in, in, in John chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, it reads like this. And of his fullness we have received, and we have received grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 
Paul is letting the church fully understand that Jesus won the battle. It was Jesus Christ who won the battle. It wasn't the opinions of men who won the battle. It wasn't the opinion of the person who was sitting in the back of the church trying to control everything who won the battle. It was Jesus Christ who won the battle. Paul is letting the church fully understand this. Look at Ephesians. We go back to Ephesians. Jesus has conquered Satan. Satan can no longer hold sin and death against us. We must remember that. Satan cannot hold sin and death against us. And now has returned to us the spoils of the battle. In other words, when Jesus Christ went into the grave, he came back with the keys and he gave the keys to us. Our gifts as conquerors he took back everything Satan stole from us, our gifts, and has given them back to us. So now Satan is trying to divide us by fighting over our own gifts. We, we did not have to work for it because he died for them. Jesus gave these gifts to us freely. And by giving, by giving ourselves for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're doing the same. We're giving these gifts that we have. We're giving them freely. And that's our responsibility. Paul is showing the, the church in Ephesians. That, that the victory has taken place. And that the victory was in Jesus' death. Resurrection and his burial. Paul is showing, Paul is showing the Ephesian church. That his victory is our victory. Paul is also showing that his victory is our responsibility. We are redeemed people. We are people gifted. We are people who, who are supposed to give back. We give back to people who are lost or people who are struggling. We don't judge someone because they're struggling. We try to help them out of that dark place. Because if you want to really keep it real, I believe everybody who's listening to this this morning was in a dark place. Everybody just didn't wake up and say, I love Jesus. Somebody had to come and give you the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to kind of end here. But I want to end on this note. That it is our responsibility to make sure that the gospel of Jesus Christ goes out in its fullness. That the gospel of Jesus Christ will touch every heart, every man, every woman, every child, that everyone understands that the gospel of Jesus Christ is alive and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. You want to know why it's alive and active and sharper than a double-edged sword? Because you spoke it. And the Holy Spirit was able to use you as a willing vessel in order for someone else to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord.
I want to take a moment right now and, and ask you, if you never accepted Jesus Christ, it's really a simple thing. The Bible says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you shall be saved. Yeah, it's, it's just that simple. So I, I want to give you a, a, a prayer. Just follow along with me. Um, Father God, I, I ask you that, that I'm coming humbly before you right now. That I believe that your son Jesus Christ was born of Mary. That I believe that your son Jesus Christ went to the cross. That he died for my sins. That I, I believe that your son Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the third day. That I believe that Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father. That I believe that right now that I accept Jesus Christ into my heart. And I ask Jesus Christ to forgive me of all my sins and all my wrongdoings. And that I confess that right now. And I lay it before the throne seat of grace. And I thank God right now for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm Pastor Greg from Uptown Assembly of God. And you have a blessed day.